All righty. So let's let everybody got to get in here and stream in here. Uh, <laughs> so you sent out a tweet already, right? Yes, sir. I did. All right. I said sources in the tweet. Let's see. Nice. All right. Well, we'll give everybody a little chance. Sources. To sources. Live show with Coach Nick and Combo on the B-Ball Breakdown YouTube channel coming up in a uh, few minutes. Well, as everyone starts to file in here, I can see people kind of streaming in here. I'll just give everybody a chance. Before we start per, uh, completely, uh, we'll give everybody about another 35 or 40 seconds to kind of get comfortable, uh, get their questions ready. Obviously, uh, if you want them answered, the Super Chat's the way to go here um, on YouTube. Uh, we've got some comments already. Jono, what's going on, my man? Um, hello, Farrell and uh, Quadra. <coughs> that sounds like maybe you're running from another country. I wonder what country that is. Always interested. I love the fact that this goes all the way around the world. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like there's a strong international presence. It feels like at times it's like about half are out of the yeah, States. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a big uh, international, uh, at least as far as the regular videos, an international percentage of the views is, is from there. So what's up, Martin? Good to see you. Uh, you know, you know, good day, whatever, from Italy. Ah, thank you. I might be going to Italy, by the way, this summer. And from there, I might be able to bounce around a little bit and film some stuff basketball-wise, like in Germany, maybe Serbia. I'm working on it, Combo. That would be awesome. Yeah. Yes. Just like, so, you, you know, it'd be really nice to look at, I think, like just how the game is taught in different countries compared to the States. Uh, exactly. That's exactly what I want to yeah. do. I want to sample all yeah. the fair, what, what the, the concepts are, how they teach it without question. Uh, I want to do that. And then I, I actually am setting it up right now where I can get some, some encore time with some of the guys who are shooting one footed threes, uh, in the professional game up there and, and really get some, some, some data from them. I'm looking forward to that. So that's what I'm working on right now. Uh, what's up everybody. What's up, Chris, what's up B. Uh, Chris Paul hit a crazy one in the corner. One legged. Yeah. It wasn't a three though. I think it was mid range. Chris Paul. Yeah, I think he yeah. thought the shot clock was going down, but it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I saw. I think I saw the highlight of that one. But we have. Uh, let's see. What's up, Glenard? What's up, Eh Chaser? <laughs> oh, nice. It's been a while. Yeah, great. Interesting time. We're doing it earlier morning this time because I had to get on the road. Oh, we got to talk about Nick Nurse firing for sure. Rohan, be uh, from Australia. Wow, we're everywhere uh, in Texas, and we got uh, Ghana. Yes, that is amazing. Um, so you know what? Let's talk about. Nick Nurse, I guess, for a minute here, because that was the big news. He got fired um, and instantly, I think, was like, oh, he's going to Houston now, which is interesting because we were hearing about like Kenny Atkinson maybe going to Houston a few weeks ago. Um, so what are your thoughts? Were you surprised that Nick Nurse was fired? I'm not surprised. I thought it was about that time, but I still do think that Nick Nurse is one of the best coaches in the NBA. I think all NBA coaches understand going into any job that there's a good chance you'll be getting fired at some point. <laughs> It's like, that's uh, just the way okay. the NBA, that, that, I mean, that's just the way the NBA is. There's very few like Spolstra's and Popovich's that just aren't going to get fired. Like, you know, you're going to get fired during your NBA career for the most part. Sure. You know what? Let's do a proper start because I plan on, I, I pledge, I'm going to post this as a, as a audio pod right after we're Me done. Me too, so Coach Nick. Do Me too, Coach Nick. All right. So let's do a proper intro. Are you ready? Now everyone's in here and all organized. Here we go. Ready? Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown live show. As always, coming to you with Andrew Combo Salop. We're doing it a little bit early morning on a Monday, and I'll drop this thing as an audio podcast, I promise, so everyone else can hear it. Uh, but uh, Combo, great to have you here. And while you talk, I realize my mic isn't pointing in the right exact spot because I had moved it earlier. 
I don't know if I sound okay, but while you're talking, I'm going to maybe mute it and then address. So vamp for a second and tell us how you're doing. Good morning, West Coast. Good afternoon, East Coast. We are here. A lot of playoff action has occurred over the past few days, and I'm looking forward to talk about it. You know, a lot of interesting series. Uh, and I think the most interesting one is Kings Warriors, 2-2. I had Kings in seven in that one before the series, and I think that's what we're en route to. Uh, okay, well, let's let's break this down, because first of all, we got to get into what the title was about, which was uh, Steph Curry... Uh, you know, not knowing that they didn't have a timeout left. And we got into sort of Chris Weber territory here. And, and if you want to go through, you hadn't seen it. It was, they were up by five. There was uh, 12 seconds to go, something like that. I don't I'd look at the time. And uh, they'd already challenged a, a call, which they shouldn't have challenged. It was a pretty clear cut foul. So when they do that and you lose a challenge, you lose your, your timeout. Now, Steve Kerr said in the postgame um, interview that it was his fault that he didn't somehow remind everybody uh, that he, that they didn't have any timeouts. It's a little hard to believe when you have that many assistant coaches that they're not, you know, someone's not out there going, hey, we don't have any more timeouts. You know what I mean? Uh, but that said, you know, it's the coach's job to kind of take that one for the team, even if it didn't really happen that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, there's just like 20 guys who are looking at stuff on the bench, and I would assume usually one of them is just making sure the players know how many timeouts that they have. So it was really surprising, like, especially with the Warriors, because there's like three teams I would not expect this to happen to, and they would be the Heat, the Spurs, and the Warriors. Like, they usually have everything really in sync, super professional teams and high-level culture. So it just like, it was just a crazy situation. You would not expect that to happen with the Warriors. Uh, absolutely. Especially because, you know, you think that, you know, Steph Curry himself would just know the timeout yeah. situation, regardless. He's been, he's been through all this, uh, these playoff battles, and he is as experienced as anybody. And I, it was interesting on Twitter, somebody brought that up where they were saying it's worse than Chris Weber because of that. You know, Chris Weber is a 20 year old, scared, you know, inexperienced guy, just freaking out, whatever, and calls a timeout. Because uh, my whole thing was situationally, it wasn't as, war as bad because um, the uh, Michigan was down by two, I think. And there was, you know, 10 seconds to go, whatever. First, Chris Weber traveled before he started this dribble on the, in the backcourt. They missed that. So I think he already had sensed that something was off with his whole possession. The other teammates sort of scattered and left him alone. And then he comes up out of the, you know, the corner and just calls timeout, uh, which ends the game immediately at that point. You get two free throws uh, and the ball back in college. Now, here's the interesting thing about the technical foul that's called when you'd call a, t a timeout without any timeouts in the NBA. You lose possession. So uh, in normally with a technical foul, you, you would regain possession and it really wouldn't be that big of a deal. They get the one free throw and that's it. So obviously uh, up by five, they get the free throw, they hit the three and all of a sudden all hell breaks loose and then they have a chance to win it at the, at the buzzer with Harrison Barnes. Uh, how sweet would that have been if Harrison Barnes of all people would have hit that three? Yeah, I don't know what they were doing on offense, but it got them a pretty decent shot at the end of the day. And, um, oh. you know, one, one pass away, jump shot I mean one pass away is usually heavily contested and it definitely was contested but I don't think that was the worst case scenario especially considering the offense that they didn't run <laughs> well right so what we what we we're missing was you know Fox Darren Fox can pretty much get whatever he wants against almost anybody at this point the way he was playing the last couple of games it's really 
just really uh, on the national stage announcing his presence to us. So uh, I had said I had tweeted it out the, the play before when he pulled up in the mid range. I'm like, if they don't double him, he's just going to score. It's like it's it's preordained. He's in that rhythm. It didn't matter. Uh, and of course, uh, on the inbounds play, they get it. Draymond is somewhere that, you know, it's close on him and he just nails the three in his face. Right. So, again, the last play, it was really important that Draymond showed him uh, defense right where he wants to go in that mid range elbow area where he pull up. So he was right there. So it wasn't really a double, but it was right. It was helping one pass away. And, uh, you know, Steph got a running start to get over there and can challenge. But that was a good look. I don't think that they're going to complain at all about getting that. Um, it was the, the, and then Draymond said it in the, in the conference, in the press conference that, you know, that their whole mindset was he couldn't shoot it. Anybody else needed to beat them. But that said, if it was anybody else like Sabonis rolling down the lane because of a, a kind of out of position defense to stop Fox, well, that would have been bad too. So they were able to pull it out and it should not have been that problem. Now the, the bigger problem I think the Warriors have, even though they won, was that they missed 11 layups, 12 layups. Um, I'll go through and count it, but you got to imagine they make half of those, and this game is another one of those easy wins they had, like in game three. Yeah, I, I felt like the Warriors were going to win this game the whole way through. I don't know why, even with the Steph Curry timeout, I just felt like they had it in hand, and then, you know, the Kings made a run late. But, you know, this really is going to come down to who could win on the road, and if nobody wins on the road, the Kings will win the series. So, you know, I find this that's a really good yeah, point, I, which is why, you know, yeah, game five looms extremely large. Yes, yes. We have well, our expect- let's, let's get to those. What do you say? Let's do it. Um, yeah, let's do it. So don't forget, if you want your question asked or answered from the, the comments, generally the way to do that is a super chat on YouTube. It really helps us uh, keep this show going. And thank you so much for doing that. So let's do the first one we got here. We got a bunch. Isaiah, thank you. Really, really generous super chat. I really appreciate it. Uh, he's a Reds fan, it looks like, Cincinnati Reds. Okay, I don't know if they're any good or not. Are they any good this year? No idea. That's the right answer. What is your thought on the Bucks struggling against the Miami Heat without Giannis? Okay, well, it was funny because there were moments when they won the game without Giannis uh, where the offense uh, was working kind of like almost better. I felt like there's more ball movement and like Brooke Lopez looked really good and they were opening up the floor. Um, but obviously, you can't take out the MVP candidate from your starting lineup overnight and hope to maintain you know your excellence what do you what are you thinking what are you seeing out there it's interesting you say that to a broader point is that like sometimes when you take out your team's best player ball movement starts to get better the other team can't focus on something and when you focus on nothing when you when you have nothing to focus on it's it's hard to like you know the defense just gets out of sorts but over time when you don't have your best player you know it's gonna be you're gonna be doomed um, you know, the Heat, to me, have the best coaching staff in the NBA, and I feel like it always shows in the playoffs, and it is here as well. Like, yeah, they're not playing with Giannis, but the Heat are just playing better. You know, um, also, another thing is, is that, like, regular season Jimmy Butler is different from playoff Jimmy Butler. Like, Jimmy Butler starts to look like a top-five NBA player in the playoffs, and that makes all the difference. You know, the big other thing is that what you what you were, you were getting on great points about when the star goes out uh, is that yeah. then um, what what so Miami has the same issue, right? They lost their their MVP ish kind of guy. Besides Butler, would be Tyler Hero, um, but that means someone else is going to step up that they're not really game plan for, and that True. would be uh, Mr. Duncan Robinson, who's reminding us that he was a starter on a Finals team, and uh, you know, in a weird weird thing, like he just got benched the second half of the year and really didn't get any minutes. 
but you're looking at, you know, 25 minutes in game two in the loss, and he get, he hit 14 points with four for six from three, and then does five for six from three uh, for 20 points in 23 minutes uh, in the blowout win in game three. Uh, I want to check that uh, the box score real quick. I'm curious. So the um, the Bucks made uh, fifth. Oh, the Bucks made 15 threes, and the uh, Heat made 16. So I, I've been making a big deal about the the net the difference between threes made. Um, and so, for instance, when uh, I did a tweet the other day where, uh, oh my goodness, somebody outscored. Oh, uh, Memphis outscored the Lakers by six threes, and they lost to the Lakers. Wow. And in the in the regular season, teams that scored six or more threes than the other team won 80% of the time. So it really doesn't bode that well for the Grizzlies, which we can get to in a minute. But the point being that uh, if you get outscored by 18 points from the three-point line, like you're not winning that game very often. Uh, and that was what the Warriors' uh, strategy was in game three. They almost broke the record for three-point attempts um, in, in a game. And they, But here's some interesting stuff about that. Are you ready? Because we'll talk about, right. you know, the frequency of threes and what that means. Uh, and then we have some other Super Chats. We'll get to that in a second. But here's the thing. Um, the Warriors had a slower pace in game three than they had in game two, right? Less possessions. Um, they shot a 50 threes, which was 50% of their shots. Their three-point frequency was 50%, which is pretty close to their regular season uh, percentage. So the difference was they got 18 more field goal attempts. Why? Well, because the turnover machine, Draymond Green, wasn't playing. And he was throwing the ball away like five times a game. But there's also times when he, some of his shots are just turnovers. You saw them last night, too. They really are. He can't finish very well at the rim, and it's frustrating. So um, without him out there, it, it juiced their offense. They got a lot more um, three-point shots. But it wasn't like anything above and beyond their normal amount. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think like – when you lose Draymond, obviously use the connectivity he brings to the team with his passing, you know, obviously the defense, he's an all time great defender, but you know, at times you could have more threats from three on the court. If Draymond isn't playing because when it's Draymond and Looney, you got three guys that are threats. Two of them are the greatest ever. Right. But when Draymond's not in, you'll usually have four or five threats. So that yeah. makes all the difference in these series. I would say, over the long haul, if they want to win a championship, it's going to be better with Draymond. But it kind of goes back to my prior point, like when one of your players steps out, and your point as well, sometimes it gets the defense harder. It makes it, it, makes it harder for the defense of the opposite team. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. So a lot of ideas we're thrown out here. Let's get some super chats real quick. Jason Kelly's out there. Thank you so much. Just uh, keep it up, Coach. I'm also worried about the Bucks. Jason's worried about the Bucks. We'll, we'll get back to them in a minute. But, uh, again, thank you, Jason. I really appreciate the Super Chat. It really helps us. Uh, let's go to Chris. Uh, Chris Ross is – thank you, thank you again. Such generous Super Chats. Uh, what happened on that last possession with Game 4 Warriors versus Kings? Why did Barnes end up taking that three? What was Where was Sabonis? So that's a great question about Sabonis. I was thinking about that because I was studying what was going on. Uh, and we, we, I, we briefly mentioned it, but we'll do it again, where – uh, in the pick and roll situation with Barnes, they obviously wanted to get Steph onto Fox, right? That's the you know a common uh, attack. Uh, the, but the mistake they made was setting the screen with Draymond's man. You know what I mean? Because then Draymond is going to be able to you know play that position better. And like what he did was he just sat at the elbow, knowing that's where Fox wanted to go, down by one. I don't know if Fox is willing to take a three. I mean, he was nailing threes, but um, that's why Barnes popping was open, right? Although I thought Curry did a pretty good job. Sometimes we'll see guys who uh, they'll kind of get stuck on the on the switch, right? And then as it sort of switches back because Draymond stayed, held his position, 
that you know, the Steph role would end up being slow, re- reacting and running back. But he got there and like probably made Harrison Barnes feel him a little bit. But um, that's that's what happened. And uh, but I, you know what? I almost want to call it up if I can just to see what that. Uh, the, do you remember where Sabonis was? Um, no. All right. Well, you know what? With the with the technology that we have, actually, did, you know what? I can call it, it up did. Coach Nick, did you see how Draymond was guarding Sabonis on certain plays? Like, he was, like, under the basket. And Sabonis hit, uh, you know, an elbow jump shot. It was crazy the way he was oh, guarding right. him. It was, well, like, was, Looney. was it Draymond or Looney doing that? Was it was it Looney? Maybe. Uh, I could picture Looney doing that, too. Maybe they both, that's the game plan. But, yeah, they were giving him a lot of uh, a huge drop and daring him, and he wasn't taking that mid-range. Well, he did make one of them, and he was wide open. Right. Yeah, it was like uh, it almost looked like a, a like a Ben Simmons situation, right? Like they were right, way off. Right, 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 right. I'm, I'm scrolling here at the end here to see the last possession here. Uh, let's see here. Let me skip ahead a couple 10 seconds, 10 seconds. Oh, here's a timeout. So I'll look at it. Oh, was that it? Uh, no, that was OK. So there's the this is such a crazy game, man. There's the Fox three. Um, another timeout. That was the moment they didn't tell him they didn't have any timeouts left. Okay, so uh, yeah, what here's what happened is, so uh, so okay, Sabonis tried to screen to get um, Draymond off of Fox because I like that matchup. By the way, they've been putting Draymond on Fox. You need a bigger player who has long arms like Draymond, right? Because obviously Steph isn't going to do it. Uh, Clay doesn't have lateral quickness anymore to, to handle that. Uh, Wiggins is not a bad opportunity too to put him on. You got to have a Wiggins or a Draymond kind of guy trying to guard Fox. So at that point, they they bring Steph up. Steph jumps up in a hedge to try and force him back to Draymond. And then Draymond, they, they kind of force a switch. Draymond drops down and just stays there at the elbow. Yeah. Uh, Curry didn't really switch. That was the other thing. It was basically a double team on Fox. And that's why Harrison Marks is wide open. Now, if you're wondering where Sabonis was, he went down to that right block and just stood there with uh, Looney on him. Didn't move, didn't do it. He was simply not part of the play. Interesting, he just right? To be put, he was, yeah, that is interesting. That is interesting. I guess he just wanted to be positioned for a rebound, but it was over after that shot. Like, right. So, right, right, right. It, 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 it took them a little bit to get a shot up. So that was why I, I whatever, you, if I had mentioned before that I, I, I didn't understand why Draymond was guarding the, the ball screener, that, that was wrong. This was Draymond on the ball, and then they screen with Steph Nan. That's, that's the only choice they have because they, they don't want to necessarily go at Clay. They don't want to go at Looney. They don't want to go at Wiggins, right? So if you set screens with any of their men, then then that's who's guarding uh, Darren Fox. That's not an advantage. But, uh, you know, listen, if there's, if there's a team that's used to that and knowing how to deal with trying to hunt Steph on defense, it's the Warriors, and they, they pretty much did their job. I mean, were you, were, were you happy with that shot that Barnes got ultimately? Yeah, yeah. If I was the Kings, I'm happy with that. I'm not happy with the late-game execution of whatever oh, they were running, yeah. but I'm, I'm happy with the result of that shot. Well, not the result of oh, the shot. Yeah. The shot that they okay, got. I hear you. From a coach's perspective, what they called was correct. You know, try and get Curry on the uh, Fox. That's good. You know, um, and then you know, it, listen. Like if you get closer into the lane, and all of a sudden you have to rely on a referee to maybe call a foul. We've seen them, you know, not call fouls that are there at point blank that would have won games or tied games. So they're not going to bail you out. They're not going to. They're not going to bail. They're not going to bail you out in that situation. You're saying. Yeah, but I don't even ask you for bailout. I'm asking for just if, like if like LeBron against the Celtics, he got fouled. You got to call that. They didn't call it. Um, 
you know, that that's those are the ones that you want to avoid. So that's why I get like, you know, try and get that catch and shoot three that's open. And, you know, that's and that's as good a yeah. shot as a heavily contested in the lane potential foul. They're not going to call. I think that's a good point there. Um, let's do uh, we got Chris Ross again. Thank you. Another super chat. I really appreciate it. Just to throw it out there and, and give us a little love. Really, really, really appreciate it. Let's read. Let's put his other um, uh, comment on here because he did that without a comment. I would love for you to break it down, but I agree with Sal with, with combo. Game four felt like a Warriors win from the start. That home court advantage felt like clay all day. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, that was what they needed to do. It was a must-win game, obviously, for the, for the Warriors. Um, and it felt pretty good for a lot of that game. But um, there were moments, again, if they kept missing layups. And so hopefully they're, they'll get in the gym and they will practice some more layups and then they won't miss those in game five, which is obviously, you know, the, it's the series right now. I think whoever wins this one wins the series. It couldn't be nerves at this point, right? Because sometimes, you know, people miss layup just from the the nerves of the playoffs, but they're too experienced for that, I would think. Okay. Now, I'm. by the way, Miles is saying, I got, you know, I didn't watch Mike Brown's uh, post game. I only watched Draymond and Kerr uh, because I really wanted to hear. I actually, I, I, I need to listen to Curry too to hear what he said about the damn uh, thing. Oh, actually, I did. And I just think he, he just said he didn't realize it. But, uh, my also saying in the comments that Mike Brown said the plan for the final shot was to flatten out the defense and live with Fox's attempt. Let me see this. So that can't be because from the beginning, after the ball gets inbounded, I wish I could show this, but you know, they don't like the footage on during a live show, unfortunately. Uh, okay. So the flattening out, I see, no, I, I mean, I don't understand that Harrison Barnes immediately goes up to set that ball. Oh, okay. So maybe what he meant was, was get the switch of Curry onto Fox and then flatten out. But yeah. there's nowhere really for Barnes to go. And Draymond said that they weren't going to let that happen, right? Right, right. So there was, I don't know what, what you know, flat. there was no flattening out. Barnes would have had to kind of run through the middle of the court to the right corner. Uh, but from where he set this ball screen, you know how much time was left, that wasn't going to be, I don't think, uh, doable. So at any rate, but what was the last part of this? Harrison Barnes decided to set a screen to get a switch for Fox and it resulted in the open three. Um, so I can't believe that Harrison Barnes on his own decided to set a ball screen with, with for, for Fox. I, I mean, that just would shock me, right? Wouldn't that shock you? That would shock me. That would shock me. Yeah. yeah. I can't believe that that's what I'm, I need to go find that and listen to that. Cause I'm, I'm, I can't, I'm interesting, but anyway. Uh, and then Chris Ross, uh, just a very generous. Thank you. My goodness. $10 uh, super chat assist. Appreciate uh, it. Beyond above and beyond. Thank you, Chris, Chris, Chris. We love you. Um, in fact, he has one. We'll put this one up there too. I'm not a Kings fan, but I am this season hurts to see some bonus out of the play. in such a late game situation when they could have a post advantage, but as Doris said, Kings look young in the playoffs. They do. They've had some, some sort of meltdowns in the fourth quarters, which is, to be expected from a young team that has almost no playoff experience. Yeah, I mean, Keegan has struggled most of the games. I think this last game he played a little bit better. But I thought he was an X factor for them because, you know, it's always tough to know how a rookie will show up in the playoffs, even though he had a great regular season. Uh, absolutely. And I thought he was terrific last night. He was hitting shots. Right. He was doing exactly what they needed to do and making right. just like the, you can hear the groan as soon as the ball got to him uh, from behind the line because the, the, the crowd you know, knew it was going in. So, I mean, that dude's not a rookie. Uh, he played how many? Three years in college? Yep. yep. Was a, and, and his brother's coming out too. Yeah. So, they should so he's an old Chris rookie. Murray. And he yeah. looks, oh, really? Is his brother but, any good? 
Yeah, his brother's good. Not as good as Keegan, but he's good. And I think the Kings should prioritize drafting him because it's good for the vibes to have both brothers, you know? Uh, I mean, as long as they get along, uh, sometimes brothers don't, but okay. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. They, they, played on this, they played on the same college team. They get along. All right, all right. Good to know. Good to know. Well, yeah, I, I mean, it's just a fascinating series all, all along. And uh, I, I suspect, okay, the Kings and, and the Warriors, as we probably thought, is going to be the best first-round series. It, it already kind of is oh, yeah. a lot of different intrigue. They didn't start Draymond Green. Um, I wonder whose idea that was. And um, although we did hear that, uh, that you know, I guess Kerr had sort of thought about it uh, or came up with it maybe after game three, and then Draymond came Momentum, to him and said, maybe? yeah. What? What? Momentum, maybe, from what they were already doing. They wanted to keep the momentum going. I mean, I think it goes back to the stats I was saying where um, they got 18 more shots and they were able to shoot a lot more threes. And then they made, I think it was five more threes than the other team, which, again, isn't 80% winning, but it's like 70-something, which basically almost guarantees you a win. And, you know, you saw what happened. Now, even though Draymond comes in off the bench, he starts the second half. And, you know, they're, they're – um, Three-point frequency yesterday was not nearly close to 50%, uh, right? They only shot only shot in the 30s, I want to say. Let me look at that. Um, what what, li- look at- what lineups did you like when Draymond wasn't playing in game three? Well, here's the lineup that did, they didn't do. They started um, pool uh, in that starting lineup. And I would have I done um, uh, Gary Payton. So I would have put a little bit better defense with a guy who can really just catch and shoot really nicely from behind the three. Uh, let him be that role and then really have a defensive unit that could, you know, seal spread the floor. Um, and so it was weird. It, it was definitely a different mindset. We got to find this out a little bit more about like, but you know, um, uh, in, yeah, but no matter oh. what they had four threats, th- but no matter what they had four threats to shoot, right. No matter who you put it like pool. Yeah, no, that's true. But that pool, was, yeah. Well, is loose. He's loose on offense and he will, you know, get into weird situations where he'll turn, turn it over. But he, he actually did play fine. But I feel like there were a couple of times in the very beginning of the game where I was like, ah, like he, he wasn't quite, um, you know, on balance. He might have turned it over once in that in the situation, but it ended up being fine. It wasn't amazing. It wasn't terrible. You know, the terrible would be they were down 19 to five and then Draymond has to come in. Right. Um, but it wasn't it was fine. It was fine. I think it was like pretty much tied after the first five minutes. Um, and there was indications that like, okay, this is working, but they didn't, they weren't hunting the three, like they were so clearly doing in game three, right? They were just trying to find threes anywhere they could and just let them go. Um, and I, and I found that was interesting because they were down by Gary Payton and they were down Draymond, two guys. Um, so now that they were, they were fully healthy again, all of a sudden they're not, I think that they might benefit again from kind of playing that way, hunting those threes, getting those guys the defense was flying out there desperately trying to get their hands up and it was stretching them out. So uh, that's the, that's the downfall of the Kings this year will be their defense. Uh, it was not good in the, in the regular season. And it is, you know, they don't, they don't have anything to rely on, on that end uh, going into a tough game, like game five. I feel like the shot quality for the Warriors was a lot better at home than it was on the road. Like the reason why the Warriors were in some of those games with the Kings um, in the first two was just because Steph Curry was hitting ridiculous shots, but you don't want a steady diet of that if you're trying to win games. Like as you right. said, like they missed the whole they missed a whole bunch of wide open layups. Like they didn't even get those in the first two games. Oh, I know. Uh, that's true too. Yeah, so that that was another evidence of the Kings. Like their defense just sometimes uh, falls apart on them. They get they get just, uh, confused in the weak side, and they're switching. They shouldn't be. Uh, we saw a lot of that. So their three-point frequency last night was 37.8, which is low. Like, they're much higher on the regular season. I, and I'll tell you what it is in, in a second. 
they shot well, but uh, 37.8. Uh, let's see. For the regular season, the um, the Warriors shot. Let's see. I'll see. If it, let's get this. Uh, they were third in the league at 47.9. So, you know what I mean? They were really limiting those uh, those three-point shots. Obviously, that means they got a lot more shots in the paint. Those are those layups that they kept missing. So, I would be worried if I were the Kings, without question. The, the game four exposed some stuff uh, that they, uh, you know, didn't look good on. And uh, only with the thing that the once-in-a-lifetime issue, like Steph calling timeout and all that stuff, did it look as close as it was. It really should have been a 12-point win for, and walking away for the for the Warriors. Yeah, I mean, Steph just hit so many tough shots. So he kind of, no matter what, yeah. even if that, even though that timeout was terrible, you know, right? It's all right. So I, I don't know. And, if I, yeah. And also, you mentioned but, Chris Weber. You you mentioned Chris Weber earlier. I mean, it's not really comparable because, like, that was so iconic or anti-iconic. I shall say that'll be remembered forever. I don't think anybody really remembers this, especially since the Warriors won like ten years from now. Also, the thing in the tournament. For NC2A, it's that it's single elimination. So those type of decisions are so devastating. For sure, the result is going to be the big one here. No one's going to remember that. Luckily, luckily, you saw Draymond and Steph like hugging at the end of the game. That was a big part of it. It was like, thank God they won. No one will remember that what, what happened there, and they can move on. Um, and, you know, probably no one will remember that Draymond didn't start that game either. Uh, you know, as it when by the time we're done. So, um, Chris, thank you. I mean, he's just giving us super chats all over the place. Uh, let's let's just throw this out here because this is interesting. I heard you talk about the restricted area. Reddick has also talked about it. Should it be expanded? I hate to see all these injuries on charge takes. So I, I had actually had a viral tweet uh, in the game because we had a um, Sabonis offensive foul on Looney when he just lowers his shoulder and levels him. And I had a couple people who were wanted to argue with me. First of all, let's get the confusion out of there. His foot was in the, the restricted area. Yes. But when you're the primary defender, the restricted area does not count. Okay, it doesn't matter where you are if you're taking a charge there. And we, in case you don't know what that means, the primary defender is the guy who's guarding you. That's that's my man. The secondary defender coming over to try and take a charge. That's when you have to be outside of the restricted area. And that's very clear from a ref's point of view of who who's coming over versus who's already on the ball, even if you're sagging off the guy way, way a lot. Um, so that was a big thing that I think people finally were able to understand. It would again, it would be nice if you if you if you, you know, you come flying in my mentions hot. And, you know, yelling at me about how he's in the restricted area. And then I explained that the rules are it would be nice if you just said, oh, my bad. Thanks. Or something like that. And, you know, they just most people just kind of go away. Never hear from him again. But uh, it's weird. You know, we've talked about that before. Uh, so the, but as far as the restricted area and the um, and the expansion of it, I mean, what do you think about the, the, the charge call in general? Yeah, I think I mean, you have to keep it in the game. I would say there's a huge conversation around this is because we saw John Morant get hurt and Giannis get hurt in these kind of situations. So, you know, it's going to be a topic of conversation, but I don't know if I would change it too much. I think just taking a charge is part of the game. Yeah. No, I mean, I think you can't. I think uh, Presti said what I've been saying for all these years is you can't take away, you know, they've taken away so much from the defense as it is to make it as hard as possible yes. to defend. You can't take away that, but I don't necessarily really like the charges that of, of guys coming over to take a charge on a guy in the air or going up in the air. I, I'm not really fond of those, uh, you know, for a lot yeah. of those, a lot of reasons. Yeah. Uh, but I certainly think, yeah, if you're guarding your own man and he is leveling you like that, yes, you absolutely need to have uh, something to dissuade you from that. So I suppose if there was a way they could tweak the one where you're trying to get underneath the guy, 
uh, that that might be okay. I mean, we've already seen it with like if you kick out too much, that's an offensive foul uh, on a jump shot. So, uh, you know, I, I have no problem with it, especially because the defense needs some tools. Yeah. How would you guard somebody like Giannis or even De'Aaron Fox in transition if you can't take a charge? Because then they don't even have to think about the threat of somebody taking a charge and it'll just be a bucket every time. Yeah. People will get hurt. I really yeah. am surprised more people haven't gotten hurt. Giannis, I've talked about this before. Uh, he, he has these a lot of moments where he just goes to the basket and ignores the defense. And the stuff that happens to these defenders is dangerous, man. And if he ever got those elbow a little bit higher, a little bit more toward the face area, someone's going to go down and, and miss a lot of games. And there'll be a lot of blood. Um, and so that's why you, you're supposed to, you know, train so that you can avoid the defender and get around contact and, and then have the, the fear of a charge, right? And that yes, should be yes, part yes. of your your, uh, your, your computation as you're going to the basket. I don't think Giannis has that. Giannis is just like, I don't, I don't see defense. <laughs> I'm just training like there's cones out here and I'm going to go and, oh, oh, whoops, okay. Every once in a while they'll call an offensive charge, but it's certainly worth it, I guess, in the, in the long run for him. Uh, again, I, I am always worried for player safety. So that is a big one. Uh, should we shift to another series uh, while we're at it? Let's do it. Okay. I saw uh, the Knicks kind of came up. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get to the Knicks? Oh, I mean, I think that's an interesting series because Tibbs actually made an adjustment late game, decided not to play Randall. And I think he has lacked in that area in the past. So, you know, I thought it was the right decision. He made the adjustment. They won the game. Brunson was great. R.J. Barrett was great. So, you know, it looks like they're on their way to victory. Yeah. No, Brunson has been absolutely terrific in this series. No one, they, they don't have much of an answer for him. And, you know, I, like I said this before the, in the video, I think we talked about it before too, where I, I think he's got the best post footwork of anybody in the league yeah, as the smallest guy in the league who posts up. He, his footwork down there is absolutely impeccable. And it probably has to be because he is so much shorter than everybody else. It's like quick hitting post work, right? It's like yeah. he'll be dribbling, then he'll back, then he'll do a quick move. Then it it kind of like weaves in between like ISO game and post up, right? It, it's it's incredible, but right. you know the timing, the the footwork, the timing, the change of speed, and he has the strength on top of it. He's just an incredible shot maker. It's super efficient, right? And he so he has. Um, you know, he'll turn a drive into a post up basically, right? Because yeah. but he gets in yeah. there now, he's doing he's lifting his feet, he's got his back to the basket a little bit. Like, that's what's so fascinating about it. It's a hybrid guard, big man, you know, uh, game that he's got. It's 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 truly remarkable and very unique. Um, and they really yeah. don't have guys that can guard him well. You know, they have the bigs and then they have the guards who can score, but like they're missing, you know, that guy that's going to be able to guard Brunson. Uh, and then, you know, they got this wing issue where they don't get a lot of production from that position, which most teams seem to want to have that position covered. And they don't really have that in a Coro and um, uh, Levert off the bench. You know, I, I like Levert and he's got a scoring punch, but I suppose they, they need more from that area. Uh, they're going to the Knicks are going to win the series. Yeah, they are. They are going to win the series. Yep. I predicted the Cavs in seven. So we'll see what develops. <laughs> I mean, right now, at least at least the Cavs have the home game in game five, right? Uh, that's D the, yeah. I mean, D. Mitch got to come up bigger than what he did in this past game, you know? This yeah. Is the playoff. This is it. Now. 
you're supposed to like you're supposed to try and make new york miss you you know because he was the guy they were supposed to get and um in oh, a trade yeah. package but but the cleveland ended up getting him and you know yeah well we amazing. all saw that, that uh, video that viral video now outside of uh, msg right where they're all like hilarious hey i'm spidey is that what they're calling him <laughs> yeah i think they call hey spidey don't you wish you came to new york now and then you know but i i was hoping for a good bing bong or whatever that is is it bing bong, bing bong. Is it is bing bong and then yeah. i was hoping for one of those or maybe a good or something but we got nothing uh, from those guys yet but uh I'm new sure york i mean out. that that energy in Madison Square Garden just pops off the screen, right? It's been incredible. It's such an advantage when you're playing in the best arena in the world. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that's been great to see. I, listen, I, I love it to see New York uh, have some success. Uh, they're going to get into the second round and help, they'll have to play. Here it is. No, Milwaukee. Forgive me. They're Milwaukee. Um, so that's going to be interesting because if uh, – <laughs> We don't know what's going to happen, right? What do you think is going to happen with this Miami and uh, uh, the Milwaukee series? I mean, a lot of it depends on how healthy Giannis is and if he comes back, because playoff uh, Jimmy I'm, is different. He is, and but you know, and playoff Jimmy is different. He can also be up and down and not not always appear. But you know, when he gets woken up and whatever, and he goes for like the 35-40, like it is, they are tough. I don't necessarily even like the Heat and the way they play necessarily, but. Um, but let's see here. Giannis is expected to return to the lineup Monday for game four, barring any setbacks, according to Shams. So, um, and you know, he has to now, I guess, obviously you have to keep your eye on that and see, I think he was warming up earlier today, so he'll, he'll give it a go. Um, and, and, you know, if he's not full strength and that's a, that's a problem because he relies so much on the athletic ability and the power. Um, and if he's reduced in that realm, he most likely would be, his effectiveness would be reduced, I would imagine. I don't think that's talking out of turn, would you say? Yeah, I mean, he missed a few games. The back injury looked bad because he tried to come back and he just couldn't continue. That's never a good sign. No, yeah, absolutely. Now, a lot of times you can get some treatment. It'll feel better, but it could tighten up in the middle of the game if you come out or whatever, and then it's, like, really hard to get back. So that's all very, very tough. Um, you know, Barrett it was been better. Barrett was so bad the first couple of games. Uh, it was frustrating to watch when I was watching them. So it's nice to see that he's been figuring some things out. I got to go study that and figure out what's kind of changed for him. Do you have any insights into that? Just more aggressive to the rim, and he's making shots at the rim. The first half of game three was really good for him because he shot the basketball better. But I would say, like, the way he shoots the basketball, and I talked about this before, even though he's knocking some down right now, I think over time he's going to always have issues unless he changes that up. But, you know, defense has been better at home and the shooting has been better at home and he's just been more aggressive. And they really needed him because Randall has been quiet. And part of that is because Randall is probably hurt. Oh, wait, remind me. I forgot what his issue is. An ankle. Oh, yeah. Okay, right. Oh, but which all of a sudden now this reminds me of I was watching Marcus Smart. I was watching that the Celtics game and Smart rolled his ankle. And uh, it was a good example, like, of the recklessness you can have on defense where you're trained to be – to go after everything, and then that could lead to problematic things where it was two guys um, um, on the other team, and, and Marcus Mark just throws his body up in there into them. I think he commits the foul. It's a foul on him. And then as he's landing, he rolled an ankle too, which is almost like, you know, the basketball gods punishing him for doing that. Uh, that that's the kind of stuff that makes me concerned, especially in the, the playoff atmosphere where you get this mindset of, you know, no quarter. I'm going to have, I have to just 
lay it all out. And then you end up getting off balance and you end up making reckless plays and you could hurt your team that way. Um, it's a fascinating, I guess, a balance between those two things, which is why someone was like telling me like D'Angelo Russell, you know, he's not a good defender in a negative way. And I'm like, yeah, but remember that also means that he won't foul. And we keep seeing this huge disparity with the Lakers and free throws. And part of that is because they don't foul very much. And part of it is because they have a, you know, AD is very good at defending without fouling. But then you have a guy like D'Lo who, you know, he moves a little bit and he can make a deflection or two. But then he, he's not going to follow anybody. They're not going to be in the line. That, that's good, you know, in some bizarre, twisted way. Uh, and it works for them. And here we are on the verge of, you know, uh, of, a, of a, se- a series where, you know, I don't think, I don't think the Lakers are going to let him off the hook on this one. Do you? No, I think the Lakers got this one. I mean, Ja was incredible in that 22-point stretch he had, but his hand isn't all the way there, even though, I mean, it didn't look like it in that stretch, right? Um yeah. They got some, they've like Rui Hachimar during these playoffs. Like he looks like he has some huge upside moving forward. Like, all right, on defense, he's not Kawhi, but he shows some Kawhi like moments on offense with those pull-up mid-range jumpers and just his frame and how big he is and the hands, you know, he's been incredible. And obviously Austin Reeves is another guy who's going to be looking for big money soon, you know? So shouts to the, both of those guys. They've been difference makers and LeBron and AD have been showing up and, if, you, if LeBron and AD are playing at their best, they're still both top five guys, in my opinion. It's almost like the, you know, it's almost like the playoff Jimmy thing. Like, it doesn't matter as much in the regular season. If you're showing up in the playoffs, that's what matters. Absolutely. Let me see what uh, Ross and Austin Reeves is shooting 42% from three, which is a, a nice thing for him because he had struggled a little bit earlier in his career to figure that out and get comfortable. But he's now he now is playing that like that his role generally would be a guy that you'd want like the, an elite three point shooter where he's the way he plays. And he's figured some things out rhythmically that I think uh, is really been helpful. And again, um, you know, he's a great passer. I think he's underrated. And uh, we got to make sure I might have to do a little video just the, the vision he has. Uh, is yeah. just a huge advantage for the Lakers. Um, and so, yeah, I, I feel like, um, you know, Dylan Brooks was the guy that was trying to, you know, plays like he's thinks he's better than he is and to put them in such a huge hole. Because again, remember the, the, the Grizzlies uh, scored 13, uh, made 13 threes and the Lakers made seven. And again, in the regular season, if you make that many more than the other team, you're going to win 80% of the time. So, uh, but if you put your team in a hole as badly as they did in, in the beginning like that, then it's, you know, it's not easy to come back. That said, we, an early big lead in the first quarter doesn't mean hardly anything anymore, right? Usually teams come right back and it's, it's a dogfight. So, uh, again, all those things that I'm talking about add up to uh, just, it just pretends very poorly right now for the, uh, for the Grizzlies. Yeah, I mean, a 10-point lead is nothing anymore. A lot of that is because of the three-point revolution. And to your point about Austin Reeves, He's been shooting it well, but he's so much more than a shooter. Like the way he plays off pick and roll, the passing, great handle. Like he played point guard in college. He has been absolutely tremendous in the series. Yeah, just an absolute difference maker. And we knew that coming in, like that he was going to be a winner. uh, You know, guys going to make those plays. Uh, Chris Ross is uh, is continually at it. Thank you again so much. Another awesome super chat. Really, really can't thank you enough. This is amazing. And then he goes to go to the West. Who has advantage in a Denver versus Phoenix matchup? That crazy talent on both sides. Uh, that's a great question. I've been really watching this Denver team. Uh, a really quick thing I mentioned about them, though, it was um, their defense looks pretty good, even though their defense was not very good during the regular season. And um, I was like, okay, what's what, what's um, Minnesota's offensive rating ranking from the regular season? It's like 23rd or something, right? So they're not good. 
And I'm like, okay, what are the remaining teams' offensive ratings? None of them are very good, right? Except for Sacramento, who, like, you know, probably doesn't get to the conference finals when they would play them. So this might be a perfect, a perfect lane for them to go in there and get all the way to the finals because their defense isn't going to be tested like it would against a top five or six, you know, offensive rating team. That said, the only reason why you can say that the Suns are not in the top 10 offensive rating in theory would be because they only had Durant for 20 some games. Right. Um, so that's an interesting conundrum because are the Phoenix Suns radically different now? We can't use anything in the, you know, in the last, whatever, uh, before he got there, you know, is, is an indication. What do you think about what would happen in that matchup? Yeah, I just think with Phoenix, a friend actually texted me and he was saying, like, who do you think is going to win the West? You think Phoenix? Like, that's the name he mentioned. And I just don't feel like that they have enough time. And I'm not sure the chemistry will be there when they play against some of these better teams. So, you know, they do have the most malleable superstar in KD, but I just don't know if they'll get it all together in time. Denver has been the best team in basketball all year and yeah they're not great defensively but they got players that play defense like Aaron Gordon and Bruce Brown um in a a down and dirty example size I just I just checked what the Suns offensive rating was the last 15 15 games of the season which is you know mostly KD now I know KD didn't didn't play in a stretch of those either but it was worse so they were ranked even lower than they were for the whole regular season so you know, there isn't necessarily an indication that the offensive stuff is really working out too well for them. They seem like they go, you know, okay, Booker, well, well you, and Chris Paul even said it, like Booker will go and we'll kind of relax. And then, uh, you know, KD will go and we'll, and then Booker relaxes. You know what I mean? It's not like it's an integral functioning multi, you know, piece offense that's got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, and that is tough, you know, when you're playing against a better team. And again, Denver's defense in the regular season was ranked, um, let me go for the whole game, the whole year. Uh, they were ranked, where are they? You know, 14th. Very average. But they do look a lot better in these playoffs. They're well-prepared. Mike Malone has always been a good defensive coach. So I don't, I, don't see, um, I don't see anybody beating Denver. And, in fact, when you watch – so a lot of times they'll do an action through Jokic, and they'll, they'll do an action with Murray, and it kind of dies, and then they have to swing it, and now the clock's starting to roll down. Most teams, they swing it will be to a, a unidimensional player who like only need, can catch and shoot. Is not going to create off the dribble. You know, once you get to the third option, uh, here's a guy that can score like KD, and he's their third option, and they can he can bail them out uh, in, uh, yeah. in possessions that don't look good. I agree. That's with you. a that nobody else has. Yeah. Also, I feel like KD sometimes doesn't even go with the momentum of the of the game in the sense where like the team is playing great defense. You know, the things don't seem to be going in the Suns' favor. And there's two guys on him, and he just turns around and gets a great shot. He's like an absolute cheat code. Like, your offense doesn't even have to be flowing in a great way, and he's going to still get a great shot whenever he wants. Sure. So, and that's that's the key to the Suns, if he can do that enough times. Uh, But I think that the, 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 the Nuggets can bring enough defensive presence against what they need to do. Uh, I, I, CP3 is a bit washed uh, at this point. I'm glad to see he had some success in that fourth quarter of game two, I want to say, where we hit a he couple shots. Like, yeah, but it's it's far and few between, and otherwise he's like he's doing stupid fouls um, and not as effective defensively as he once was, which is not, you know, listen, the dude's old. He's been playing for a long time. Um, so I, I don't feel as good about the, about the Suns as I do about the Nuggets, and I think the Nuggets have a shot to go right straight through to the finals. Uh, and then, hey, it's, it's, it's theirs for the taking. 
And who is to say that they wouldn't have won it one of the past two years when Jamal Murray was hurt? Like, if he was healthy, the Nuggets might have a championship already. Right. And he's reminding everybody of, you know, the bubble thing, I don't think was an anomaly at this point, uh, where you'd say, no, there was no crowds, there was no pressure, and that's why he excelled. Uh, I'm seeing him excelling here under, under the highest of pressure situations. Um, and he's just, he is that guy. He is so good uh, from a from – a, he's not a real a point guard really he's playing that position but he's much more of a just you know what a, a dominant guard uh, ball uh what, what are we calling these guys now um i mean i guess we'll call it combo but whatever it is yeah who's the be- who who's the better player jamal murray or De'Aaron fox um I, i'm going with murray really yeah, yeah. I, 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 well, you know what? Fox can prove that to me. Maybe if he continues another for the rest of the series, I, mean, I could, I can elevate him a little bit more because he was, he was the guy. He was the Michael Jordan uh, in the last in last game. It was really truly astounding. In the same way that we're kind of seeing with Anthony Edwards, you know, Anthony Edwards is channeling yeah. Michael Jordan basically at this point, and uh, it's it's a uh, it's amazing to see. Future MVP, I think. Why is my iPad making noise? Where's the the volume thing? Um, Anyway, what do I want to tell you? We have some more. We have Chris is out there just just firing up <laughs> super chats left and right. Wow, uh, here's another one. Love the foul disparity talk. LA plays that defense differently, uh, without question. Yeah, they they. I did the video. I showed how they play defense. They do a lot of no middle, and when you play that way and you're in position early like that, you can limit fouls, and that's what they're doing. Um, and you know, and that's that's remember, remember that's the the biggest part of the free throw disparity car, uh, thing. Wouldn't isn't necessarily that they're they're um, they're getting a lot of foul calls for them. It's also that they're not following. That's that's the bigger issue that mean, people need to understand because that's half of the equation right there. So um, let's see here. Oh, so Shiny Hackstress wants to say that he'd say that Wiggins is just as good as MPJ uh, or better in that third score they're, role. Uh, I mean, they're, they're just they're just they're just different. I mean, MPJ is a way better scorer, but Wiggins is a way better defender. You know, they're just different I mean, players. I mean, w- Wiggins, Wiggins is. Wiggins is a better all-around basketball player right now. MPJ is still young, though, so yeah. We'll see. But you know, with his back stuff, he might never ever you know be able to move enough defensively that to do that. He had I, his his aware actually him Jamal Murray and Jokic. Their awareness has all gotten better over the years on defense. They're not as bad as they used to be, and he's shooting okay. really he's he's shooting really efficient this year too. MPJ, you know, I haven't studied MPJ this year defensively. Uh, and so I certainly could tell you that in the past, yeah, he was just didn't, wasn't connected. He didn't know what he was, wasn't yeah. paying attention I mean, a lot during the bubble, like the bubble time period. Yeah. He was, he was terrible at defense, but yeah. he's gotten so, a lot better and, 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 and better. And yes, I've seen better. And also he's doing a better job of accepting his role because I think okay. back then they were trying to figure out who was the top guy, even though it was apparent to a lot of people, it was Jokic. I mean, there was. I'm sure in his head, he thought he was going to be the top guy. And that's hard to deal with when you start getting a little bit older and accepting your role, things change, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and meanwhile, accepting his role means he can be a leading scorer for that team in, 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 in certain games during this playoffs. He, he might, yeah. he very well maybe because they're going to load up on the other guys and, you know, Jokic doesn't care about scoring. So he will facilitate it up, you know, to, to no end. Actually, but before we do that, and no live show is complete without a, a super chat from Braun. Thank you so much, best friend of the breakdown. And um, and also don't forget, I because I, I have to do another pod for my politics side. And then I'm getting on the road to Phoenix. I'm actually appearing 
uh, and we're doing a show uh, in Phoenix. So if you're out there and you want to check out a really progressive podcast show, you can always find us there. Check out my uh, my my Twitter. I'll have it all over there. My uh, politics Twitter. But Bron says, hey, coach, what are your thoughts about the rust play from behind defense? I know you talked a bit about how you're working on a similar scheme. Um, I, well, I, I think what you're talking about, and maybe you have to answer one more time in the regular comments, is the letting the guy go and trying to knock the ball from behind, like the reach round? Is that what he's talking about? Combo? Well, well, well. Russ got a block on CP3 that way. It wasn't a steal; it was actually a block. Where it seems like he lets them go. Maybe CP3 got, got by him on his own merit, but you know, then he blocked from Wait, behind, CP3? and he's been do- he, yeah, he's been doing that here and there lately. No, not CP3. Um, I said CP3. Who was he guarding when he blocked him at the uh, end of the game? Oh, well, he, he blocked KD a couple times. No, no, it wasn't KD, though. No, what? wait. It was CP3. It was CP3. Yeah. He let him go by, and then he blocked him. CP3 was going to have a right-handed layup. Yeah, I, I think I might have missed this call. Was this late in the game? Yes. Yes. I mean, yeah. It was, when, it was right. actually when the Suns – I think it's when the Suns were starting to pull away. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. yeah the, the whole series is too bad that we didn't have a chance to see you know them healthy. Uh, really, really, it's too bad. I'm, I'm a, I guess if I can really quickly call this up, I'm kind of curious if I can see it. Uh, I'm looking for a Russ block, one block. So that must be the only one. So uh, let me see this because you know, Russ's in defense are not really the, you know two things that go together that that much. But he's actually been really good in this series. I, I've been really. Uh, uh, surprised by how well, pleasantly surprised by how good he's been, uh, how effective he's been making plays. So, oh, so he just misses the. He, first of all, he misses his own layout, which is you know, the thing. So let's see here. This is, I guess we're talking about the fourth, but this is the game's only over. So what's happening? Three at twelve in the quarter. Okay. Yeah, that wasn't even intentional. I think he was taking way middle, and then but was way too extreme in his position. Uh, to see that that block, but um, but yeah, there's no question. I have been working on this. I'm gonna I'm gonna drop the video probably like in the second round when I get a chance to breathe uh, for all these damn games. But uh, so stay tuned for that because if you're a coach out there and you want to see a new defense that I invented and you want to put in your team, you know, stay tuned for that video. I want to I want you to run it. I'll help you run it. I'll I'll come in if I can and and uh, and help you put install it. Um, but you know it. It does. So let's see. Braun wants to say um, he's playing from behind most of the time, both Booker and you know what? All right. You know what? I'm going to check it out. I haven't noticed that, but I didn't watch very closely this last game. So I'm going to watch um, to see. But Braun's saying that he's been doing that more uh, in uh, playing like behind. You can't do that, obviously, if the other teammates don't know what you're doing. Right. You need to have the guy containing in front um, at the block or else it's a layup. So. Anyway, uh, but you know what I hadn't really considered, though, is so my defense is you play behind the ball. Well, there's always a sort of the center who's on the line of deployment between the ball and the basket containing, trying to lure you into a mid-range shot. However, you know, the, the guard playing behind the ball doesn't have to disappear on those drives. He could be the one blocking the shot from behind, which is interesting. So, uh, combo, I got to go. Sounds good, Coach Nick. This was, was fun. We actually missed last. We actually missed last week, so – Let's yeah. keep it going, man. Yeah, we'll be back again next week for sure. It's got to figure out how to plan all these things out around my regular videos. But please go watch them all. Yeah, they came fast and furious. I'm sorry I missed the last couple of days, and I'm going to go out of town for a couple of days right now. But I come back on Wednesday, and then I will be back uh, ready to go uh, and, and start creating content again for at least the next few weeks before I go out of town again. So stay tuned for all of them. Watch all of them once or twice. 
Combo, you're making me feel like you're just far away now. What happened? I don't know what is going on, but Coach it's always at the end of our shows. Your camera knows it's time. So uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's always fun. Yeah, it's, it's always fun talking basketball with you, Coach Nick. Can't wait to get it done soon. It's playoff time. It's a fun time of year. And talk soon, sure. man. Well, Chris Ross, thank you out there for all the super chats. Really appreciate it. And everybody else, Isaiah, Jason, uh, uh, Chris again, Bron. Uh, awesome stuff. Really helps us. Really helps the show. And thanks for being here, sports fans. And don't forget, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel. We're a conversation. You win? Are you in combo? Blurry.